back to a simpler time I never knew the difference and the words were mine Another man could take it all in his stride My tracks have left a stain We were fresh coming off the vine Thrown into a barrel of the cheapest wine Followed in the store with a neon sign And we're all the ones to blame Cause in our hearts we know it's true Hey guys, welcome to The Connection. We're so excited that you came out to join us in praise. We have a great service planned for you guys, but now would you stand as we enter into praise and worship.
tonight. Uh, we're excited that you're here. Man, we're about to jump right into praise and worship. And uh, as we continue, man, I do want to encourage you not to think about everything that you've got going on this week, but just for the next few, uh, few minutes, man, let's just focus on the Lord and how good he is to us. Uh, and this next song we're going to sing is a super familiar song. We're going to put a little spin on it. But anyway, guys, I want you to worship tonight. So let's lift up our hands and say a quick prayer. So God, we do lift you up. Lord, we say that you're worthy of everything that we've got, Lord, and we ask you God, have your way in this place tonight. Lord, we invite your presence. We invite you to do what you want to do tonight. So God, we love you and we lift you up in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
every voice Cause here I am to worship And here I am to bow down And here I am to say that You're my God Cause you're all together lovely You're all together worthy You're all together tonight, Lord.
sing this man I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to lift up your heart to the Lord tonight and I just want you to say just a quick prayer in your own way just give the Lord this week give him everything on your heart everything on your mind tonight
there's power. Lord, when we say the name of Jesus, everything begins to shake, everything begins to change. And tonight we say your name, Jesus. Jesus, have your way in this place. Jesus, have your way in our lives. Jesus, have your way in our, our situations, our problems, our good times and our bad. Jesus, have your way in us. God, we give you glory tonight. We say hallelujah. Praise you tonight, Lord. We say all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Tell your neighbor it's going to be an awesome night tonight. Make your way back to your seats. what's going on at The Connection. As we've been reminding you for the past few weeks, this New Year's is the one thing conference in Kansas City. For those of you who have signed up but haven't gotten your money in, be sure to see Kim Flint tonight to get your money in. Next Thursday, November 20th, it's our Connection Family Feast. So definitely come and be ready to enjoy some awesome food. We did want to encourage you to bring a side dish, but even if you can't, make sure that you come and make it. It's going to be an awesome night. And also, we're having a community group pie bake-off. So each community group, get with each other and figure out which one of you has the best recipe and submit it in next Thursday for an awesome prize. Well, that's it for the announcements this week. But would you join us as we continue to worship with our tithes and offerings? Yeah. 
good. Yeah, it's really cold outside, but as I was walking in, um, I know a few of y'all got a few of these little invite cards, and this is just, we weren't inviting you to the service that you were already at. These were for you to hand out during the week to invite someone else next week. If you think about your very first time at The Connection or how you very first heard about The Connection, it all came down to inviting. I remember five years ago when I got invited to The Connection, and my life's been forever changed because of what The Connection is doing, and I know I've heard a lot of testimonies from each and every one of y'all and some of my close new friends and a lot of our service team has been here about six months and they're already getting plugged in and serving in the connection and so that's what it's all about just feel free to hand out one or two a week whatever you want to do bring them to the connection and let's let's grow the kingdom of God also speaking of growing the kingdom of God we're about to go into offering um, I have a scripture it's in Malachi and it's Malachi 3 verse 8 let me pull it up it says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How are we robbing you? And tithes and offerings. And I just really, I got really convicted today. I was going shopping and I spent $60 on some jeans. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I haven't even given my offering this month. And I was like, instantly convicted and so tomorrow I promise you I'm gonna go return those jeans and I'm putting that money towards my offering but you know just thinks about are you robbing the kingdom of God what where are you putting your money to are you putting your money into your house into those new curtains into a new floor mat that says Thanksgiving welcome y'all or something like that or ladies are you growing your closet you know what kingdom are you growing are you growing your house or are you growing God's house and so I just really encourage y'all to think about that tonight I know I remember hearing Lacey story. I don't know where Lacey's at, but she like gave everything away that she owned and like it was crazy. You know, you putting your wants first or you putting God's wants first. And so I really encourage y'all to have a giving heart because tithes and offerings, they really show the condition of your heart because God's a giving God. You know, he, I don't remember any story in the Bible where Jesus like took something from someone else that was like a good thing. You know, he was always giving. He was always um, filling other people up. And so we want to fill God's kingdom up with our tithes and offerings. So they're about to pass the bucket around. But Lord, we just lift up our tithes and offerings to you, God. And we want to grow your kingdom, God. We want to put your wants before our wants. In Jesus' name. All right, y'all. We got an awesome message tonight from Pastor Travis. So y'all give it up for him. Amen. Amen. Is everybody doing good tonight? Yeah. You got your hot chocolates in the last few days. Got your like warm coats out, hopefully. It's cold out there, right? Man, I don't like it. Anybody in here like you're just a super winner, like fan, like you love the winner and you're like, bring it on. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, let this stuff in. You know what I'm talking about? It's like just a few days into November and we're talking about 21 degrees outside in a couple days. That's no good. Amen. No, sir. Uh, anyways, man, we are glad that you are here tonight. And uh, I know it is a cold night, but we're glad that you came to worship the Lord. Man, this is what it's about, coming and gathering and just blessing God together with one voice. And that's what it is. We don't come to church just because we have nothing to do. We come to church to worship God together. Amen. And when we worship God corporately, we say it all the time, but man, it's, it's like with one voice. Uh, when we come together, there's unity. Where I'm weak, you're strong. Where you're strong, I'm weak. Different things. We come together and we make uh, just a beautiful noise to the Lord. So again, we are so glad you're here. Uh, just like the video said, man, we have our big Thanksgiving feast coming up next Thursday. Anybody in here like to eat? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this is the third or fourth year that we've done this, but we'll have the cafe decked out. We'll have a little worship like normal, normal time. And then after that, we're going to go in there and we're going to just eat a spread together and just love on each other together and get fat together. It's going to be good. And, uh, man, the, the, the book of Acts talks about the church. Man, they would meet together. They would break bread. They would worship God. So we're going to do a little bit of that next week. So come, man, invite somebody. And uh, you're going to talk about it in your community groups after service. But uh, we're going to ask that uh, some people in each group bring a little side dish. Make sure it's good, okay? We, we don't need, like, just 30 bags of chips from people. But anyways, uh, if you have a Bible, Luke chapter number 15, we're going to look at an amazing story tonight, possibly the most popular story uh, in the whole Bible, a story that's been referred to as the prodigal son. Uh, it's a parable that Jesus told. I think a better name for this parable is the two lost sons. And uh, throughout the, these few weeks, uh, I guess probably for about a month, man, I've had this story in my mind. Anybody ever like get something in your mind and you can't get it out? And you're like, get out of my mind, you know? And I keep thinking about this story over and over and over again. And so over the last few weeks, I've just, I've been reading it and I've been researching. I've been looking at some commentaries that I have. And I believe tonight God's going to give us some fresh things for this familiar story. How many people need something fresh from the Lord? I do, man. I need something fresh every single day. So I believe tonight God's going to show us some things. Um, I feel like a lot of times in our life, uh, because we've been doing this Christian thing for a while, we go to church all the time, we have like four or five different Bibles, we got an isthmus on the back of our car, you know. It's like sometimes we get so into this Christian thing, I think sometimes we can lose the wonderment of Jesus Christ and the awesomeness of Christ. Man, Jesus is awesome. Can I get an amen in the house tonight? Are you with me? I mean, Jesus is awesome. He's good. Um, it's November, and in just in America and in this culture, it's like November is the time that we start being thankful. I mean, I think it's a good time to start just being thankful for what God's done in our life. I mean, God sent Jesus, died on the cross for us. His mercies are new every day, right? He's the Prince of Peace. He loves us. And, uh, man, I want us to reflect on how good God is. Um, over the last, I guess, 11, 12, 13 days, I don't know about you guys, but my news feeds have been crazy filled up with all these uh, November, Thanksgiving, like day seven, I'm thankful for pie. You know what I mean? Day eight, I'm thankful that there's Starbucks. And like anybody, like your, your social media has been going crazy, your news feeds with all this stuff. It's that, and it's like no shave November. Anybody participating in No Shave November? David's been doing it for a few years. And uh, he's got it looks good. But it's been like crazy. Some of you guys, man, none of you in here because y'all got it going on. But some of these pictures I see on social media, it's like, bro, just, just shave it. You know what I mean? Like what you got's not a beard. It's the mange. You know, like, I mean, bro, I mean, if for like 30 days you can't get a, you know, it to connect, like, anyways. Um, God is good. Anyway, uh, tonight the message is all about being thankful. It's all about remembering uh, where, where we were when Jesus grabbed us. It's all about loving on him and thanking him and what our response should be because of what he's done in our life. How many people know because God's done a lot in our life, we should have a lot of thanksgiving to give him. 
every single day. Man, when I come into a place of worship like this, like we just had, man, I want to thank God for everything that he's done in my life. He's been good to me. Can anybody testify? He's been good to me. Uh, so anyways, we're going to jump into this tonight, and I'm praying that God's going to give us a fresh passion, uh, a fresh view on him and uh, being thankful for him. So Luke chapter 15, verse 1, I'm going to read it. It's from the ESV. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. He talks about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and skip down to verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. Say far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself uh, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into feed a uh, field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, verse 17, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. As he arose, he came to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. 21, and the, and the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and now is alive again. He was lost, he is found, and they began to celebrate. Last couple verses. Now the older son was in the field, and he came and drew near the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened cow for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, we love you tonight. We bless you tonight. We thank you that you're good, that you're holy, that there's no one like you. God, we thank you that this is a great story. It's all about your love for your children, which is us. God, tonight, let us receive what you'd have us uh, to receive. Let us be thankful for who you are uh, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, amen. How many people in here have ever done any public speaking before in your life? Okay, I'm talking about maybe in front of a class back in the day. I'm talking about maybe for a job, a presentation, any Toastmasters. If you've ever done any kind of public speaking on a microphone, ministry, or anything, if you've got any coaching before, if you've taken a speech class, how many people have taken speech class? How many people are like wigged out when you took speech class? Like, oh my gosh, I got to speak in front of people? Come on. I mean, it is speech class. Um, 
But the first rule of speaking, if you want to be a good public speaker, is you need to know your audience. Okay? You need to know your audience. If you know your audience, I mean, that's going to help you prepare a sermon, message, speech to deliver to these people. Um, I can remember a few years ago, probably four years ago, something like that, um, Cole was a junior or a senior in high school, and he was leading a Bible club at his, at his high school, and he asked me to come speak at it. And I've spoken a lot of these over the years, and he asked me to come speak. In this particular one, there was two lunches at this school, and this particular lunch that he had, it was, it was all athletes. They had just gotten out of athletics, and they had lunch, and it was about a 20, 25-minute Bible study. So he tells me it's, it's mostly athletes. It was during football season. Can you come speak? And I was like, yeah, I can do this. And I can remember the morning before I, I got to the office, and I began to pray. And I was like, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some man stuff at, at this Bible study, man, I'm about to just throw down a man of God is this, is this. We were going to talk about, you know, getting rid of, of sexual lust and, and pornography. And, and I had this man up message like it was amazing. Okay, so I get to get to the school and I go into the classroom and, and, and Cole's in there and students start coming in and these football guys. And, and, and then some girls started coming in and more girls started coming in. And more girls started coming in. I'm looking at Cole like I thought this was a guy Bible study. You know what I mean? So I've been preparing for this man up message. We're talking about porn. We're talking about being a man of God. I got my like three points. And I bet you the room was like 50-50 with guys and girls. And so Cole's like, all right, this is Travis. He's my youth pastor and he's going to talk to us. So here you go. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, dude, it's, only, it's normally athletes, but like some girls, they showed up today. I don't know what's up. And I'm telling you, it was probably the, the worst message that I've ever delivered in my whole life. You know, the Bible says to be like ready in season and out of season. Like I didn't have no seasoning that day. You know what I'm saying? Like I had a message for the guys, but really you couldn't talk about this around the girls. I don't know if you remember that, Cole, but I'm sure it was terrible. Like, I was just searching for stuff to say, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I talked about, but I'm sure it was terrible. You got to know your audience. And the reason I say that is this. What I love about Jesus and his stories and his parables, all these things are amazing. And Jesus was the master at knowing his audience, okay? When Jesus was speaking, when, when they wrote it down, Jesus, we have to understand, he wasn't talking to us 2,000 years ago. Okay, I'm going to give us a little hermeneutics lesson. Jesus wasn't talking to the American culture in tw you know, 2014, 2,000 years ago. Jesus was talking to Jewish people or Pharisees or Sadducees or whatever, and obviously we have to see what it meant to that culture, and then what does that mean to us? Does that make sense? Jesus, he knew his audience. And let's look, before we jump into a few points here, I want us to look at the audience that Jesus is telling this story to. Jesus isn't telling the story just because Jesus wanted to just tell stories all the time. He's not like an old grandpa, and he's talking about war stories all the time just to make the kid amused. Jesus has a purpose for everything that he does. Amen? And so the crowd that Jesus is talking to, the Bible says it's tax collectors and it's sinners. All right? 
tax collectors. If you were to kind of look this up, we've read about it. Jesus, throughout his ministry, he hung out with tax collectors. Tax collectors in this culture, in Galilee, in the Jewish areas, they were Jewish, but they were basically working for the Romans. You know, you probably know this. They basically had the authority to take money from people. Tax collectors were considered the scum of the earth. Nobody liked tax collectors, not because they just worked for the Romans, but because they stole. Most of them had a reputation for being scoundrels, all of this stuff. So Jesus is hanging out with these guys. He's talking with them. He's eating with them. And the Bible says that he's also eating with sinners. Any sinners in the house tonight? We're all sinners. Here's the deal. There's something different about these sinners because everyone's a sinner except Jesus. Tax collectors were obviously sinners. What Jesus is talking about here is either one of two different people. Number one, he's talking to Jewish people that were not following God. They were heathen Jews. Okay, Jews, it was not just like a Christian. Jewish people was, was a religion, but it was also a, an ethnicity. Does that make sense? And so he's either talking to Jewish people that didn't live for God, didn't care anything about God, or number two, he's talking to some Gentiles that are heathen. So tax collectors, the scum of the earth, and then he's talking to people that do not have a relationship with God at all, sinners. He's referring to sinners as, as heathens, okay? First thing I want us to kind of bring about in this story, before we even get into the prodigal part, um, Outcasts and sinners were always drawn to Jesus. Everywhere we look in the Bible, Jesus is always talking to outcasts and sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and lame people and shunned people by society. Jesus didn't spend a lot of his time talking to the saved people. He didn't spend a lot of his effort talking to the holy people or the, you know, the, the holy rollers. He spent his time talking to the unchurched, the out of church, the outcast of society. These people, these tax collectors, these sinners, these adulterers, these people that were not following God, they loved Jesus. Listen to me. They loved Jesus. Jesus obviously loved them, but they were drawn to Jesus so dramatically. Jesus didn't just love them. He did. But Jesus, if you read the scripture, he was always giving them truth. You know what I'm saying? Jesus wasn't just like sugarcoating like I feel a lot of us do in the church when we get around maybe unsaved people and we just kind of turn the blind eye. Jesus was all love, but Jesus spoke truth. I think what's missing in the Christian culture today is some Christians that really love people but also have truth with that. Does that make sense? I feel like a lot of times Christians can either be in one boat or the other. We're so, it's all about truth and truth and truth and we put no, no love with that and that makes us kind of hypocritical. That makes us kind of religious or we can put nothing but love with no truth which makes us have a watered down version of the Bible. Are you feeling me? Jesus was the best. People were flocking to Jesus. And you know what? It's something to be thankful for. God isn't this uh, exclusive VIP God. You know what I mean? Jesus didn't walk around like, man, you ain't got it. You ain't got the look. You ain't got the right clothes on. You ain't prayed enough today. Get away from me. These sinners were attracted to Jesus, which makes me think this. Number one, are sinners flocking to me? Think about your own life. I know you're saved. I know you love God. 
But if you want to be like Jesus, he had sinners all around him. Not because he was partying with them, but because he had a message of truth and life. And they were so drawn to his love that they received his truth and they went away changed. Not just in our own life, even in this ministry, are we attracting sinners? Because I feel like Christians, we, when we got saved, man, it was awesome, it was great. But because we are so afraid to fall back into sin, we cut off non-Christians out of our life. We, how are we going to be the light into dark worlds, to dark people, if we never talk to sinners? Is it that we don't care about sinners? Is it because we're so concerned about ourselves? Is it because we've lost the heart for the lost? Because Jesus' heart was always for the lost. Do we realize that? We want to be like Jesus. We need to have a heart for lost, broken, dying, outcast people. Amen? I want to challenge some people in here tonight. Have non-Christian friends in your life. Have non-Christian friends in your life. I'm not saying your main three friends need to be non-Christians. You need to have friends in your life that you love, that you care about, that they're drawn to Jesus inside of you, not repelled because you act like it's a VIP club. Some of us, we walk around like we're VIPs, that we're better than this person. We're not better than anybody. God saved us with the same grace he wants to save somebody else with. And I believe that the kingdom of God is not expanding in this culture like it should because we got VIP Christians that say, man, I used to be there, but you know what? Basically, I'm, I'm too good to talk to anybody else. we got to change our mentality. Amen? Um, who else is Jesus' audience? It's Pharisees. Jesus is talking to these, these sinners. He's eating with sinners. Another plug, go eat with some sinners. I hope Next week when we have this big Thanksgiving that somebody in here will bring a sinner. Somebody in here that might light up a cigarette before church, right? Somebody in here that might accidentally say a cuss word. We need some people that are a little raw, that are being drawn, and, and, they're, and they're attracted to Christ. Amen? We don't need to just build our churches with transfer from other churches and other young adult ministries. Are you following me? We need to build our church with lost people. Texarkana, I, I feel like, man, it, it's all transfer. People go to one church for three or four years and transfer, and oh my gosh, we had 10% growth. You know what? That church had 5% drop off. That church had 5 too. Good job. You grew nothing in the kingdom. We got to change our mindset. Amen? Um, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, man, they get a bad rap sometimes. Sometimes we, you know, we see Jesus calling them vipers. We call them hypocrites. Man, not all Pharisees were bad, all right? Just like not all Christians are, you know, VIP Christians. Man, there's some people in here that love God, man. You meet with sinners. You love them. You get them saved. You lead them to Jesus all the time. But these Pharisees that came up to Jesus, I like to refer to them as the punk Pharisees. How many people know there's some Christians out there that they're punk Christians, walk around with their big Bible, they got two isthmuses on their car, and they're looking at you like, you ain't raised your hand high enough, you didn't do this, you've got a tattoo, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And it's like, come on, you're a punk. Anyway, Jesus begins this story, and his audience is some punk Pharisees that are being very punkish because Jesus is hanging out with people that are not in the VIP club, all right? That's the setup. That's the audience. Jesus begins the story. There was a man. He had two sons. The younger son 
uh, came to his dad and he said, Dad, I want my inheritance. Let's stop here. You have a younger son, you have an older son. The younger son comes to dad, I want my stuff. A couple things that we have to understand here about Jewish customs, grab this. Number one, this is not a crazy notion in Jewish custom. Uh, Sometimes dad would give their portion of land or animals to their sons before they died because they needed help managing their property, managing their animals. So sometimes dads would do that before uh, they died. Okay, that's very common. Um, But this son doesn't want to help dad out. He doesn't want to manage what dad has built. This son wants his stuff that his dad made and built and and developed, and he wants it now. He wants nothing to do with his dad, nothing to do with his community, nothing to do with his family, nothing to do with the values that he had growing up. He wants to leave that behind, but he wants part of what is his. He wants all that that is his, that his dad um, has, right? Uh, What is interesting to me about this story, and if you've read this before and you you can be honest, what's interesting is that dad dad does it. Let me be honest. When Gabriel turns 18 years old, boy comes to me and wants his inheritance. And he's like, dad, I want my money. I want to get out of here. Forget you and mom. Forget the church. Forget the values. Forget this God thing. I want it. Peace out. Let me tell you, dad ain't giving him nothing. You know what I mean? Dad, I mean, come on, man. I don't even think about that. My kid's not going to do that. This dad in this story, and we're thinking about this, and we're like, man, that dad's silly. I've thought about that before. I'm like, man, I mean, I know this is a representation of God, but this dad kind of silly to me. Like, why would you do this? Here's the deal. This dad in the story is not a normal dad, Okay. This dad in the story is so greater than any dad that's ever walked on the earth. This dad in this story, obviously, uh, the father, he says, okay. Does this mean that God is weak? Does this mean God is foolish? Does this mean that the prodigal has pulled the wool over dad's head? I don't know about you, but sometime back in the day, especially in like high school, I thought I could pull like the wool over my parents' head. Anybody in here? Oh, yeah, man, I just went out, I just hung out at so-and-so's house, you know what I mean? Like, no, man, I didn't do that. I mean, you know, sometimes you can, like, lie to your parents and convince them. This dad knew full well what his son was about to do, gave it to him anyway, and let him walk down the road, okay? Here's the deal. Why would God do this? The answer is God does it every single day. He does it every day. Every person that has been born on this planet, God has given them gifts, abilities, talents, resources, and you can do with those things whatever in the world you want to do with them. Do you realize that? Romans 11, 29 says, for the gift and calling of God are what? Irrevocable. It means God's given us gifts and we can do good things with them or we can do bad things. Think about Adolf Hitler for a second. Dude had a gift of leadership. What did he do with that leadership? He killed 10, 15 million people, right? The same gift is in a lot of people, but particularly Billy Graham. The dude has preached to millions and millions of people and seen tens of millions of people saved. Same gift of leadership. What about Lil Wayne, right? Lil Wayne, there's no doubting about it. I mean, the dude is, he's artistic. He's got a gift, and he's used that gift to blaspheme God. He's used that gift for terrible stuff. You know, Carrie Job, Hillsong, they have the same gift and they use, this, use that gift to honor God. God gives us things all the time. 
God gives sons and daughters things all the time. What we do with those things are up to us. See, the Bible says that the father splits up his inheritance between both sons. The older son stays at dad's house. The younger son, he rolls out. Okay, continuing along here. Where does the Bible say that the younger son goes? The Bible says a far off country. Okay, a far off country. Let's stop here for a second. Where do you think this younger son went? What is this far off country? You know, is, did he go to Asia? Did he go to Asia Minor? Did he go to Rome? Did he go to Greece? Did he go to the Bahamas? Did he go to Las Vegas? Where did this dude go? Okay. Every time I've read this text and I've read this story probably hundreds of times, I'm like, man, this dude went, in my mind, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, a thousand miles away, whatever. And if you really read this out, you realize that that's not where he went at all. Most theologians would agree that this distant land, first of all, isn't a location at all, but it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor that he went to a far place. He went to a place far from everything that he knew growing up. He went to a place far from the beliefs that he had growing up. He went to a place far from what his dad intended, far from what his dad taught him, far from godly, far from holy, okay? What this is saying is this boy went so far away, it's showing the condition of the young man's heart, the condition of the decision that he made to leave everything behind. This far off land, this dude can be right down the street. How many people know you can be right down the street, but you can be a long way away? How many people know you can be living right next to a church, but be a long way from God? How many people know you can be in a church service and be in the far land, a long way away from God? Am I preaching to anyone here tonight? You can be right next to God, but not be anywhere close to God. This is where this boy is at. In fact, most theologians would go on to agree that this young man only went a few miles from his father's house. He only went a few miles away. He only went a few miles from where he grew up. If you look at a map of Galilee, Galilee is where Jesus did most of his ministry. 80% of his teaching, his ministry was in Galilee. It was around, which had Copernicum, Galilee, all these places kind of within about 10, 12 square miles. That's where Jesus kind of was at. Well, right on the outskirts of Galilee, there was this land that the Jews and the Greeks referred to as Decapolis. All right, Decapolis was 10 cities, cities, Deca means what, 10. It was founded by Alexander the Great about 300 years before, and it was located right outside of Galilee. These cities were pagan cities. They were Greek city-states, and no good Jew would go to this place. In fact, this land that they referred to it as the 10, this Decapolis, uh, it was right on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's right over there. When Jesus is giving these, this parable to these people, they knew that this far country, they called it the far country. It was on the other side of Galilee. It was a place that no good Jewish people would go. He didn't go 100 miles away. The dude went on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He went right across, maybe a mile or two miles uh, away. Go, go study this out, man. The Bible's amazing if we'll actually study it and not just read it one verse just to put a star on the end of our name. You know what I mean? Come on. That's Sunday school for y'all back in the day. Um, this is why this is significant. Listen to me. I didn't just say all that for no reason. This is why where the young man went is significant. The father knew the whole time what the young man was doing. Okay? 
It's not that just a father he didn't know. He just, you know, just like you back in the day when you lied to your parents, you pulled the wool over your head. The father knew what was going on with the son. He heard about, he heard about it and he probably saw it. Are you following me here? He's right down the road. He's partying. He's living it up. He's doing all this stuff. The father knew and saw it. That's why I think this story is so amazing. The father saw the son blow it, spend his inheritance, hook up with hookers, drugs, got in fights, cuss, lie, whatever. And yet the father accepts him back. Let me tell you, God deserves some praise tonight because he sees you in your lowest stage but still will welcome you back. Amen? God deserves praise for that because he sees you. You're not hiding anything in the dark. You're not concealing anything from God. God sees it all. And yet he welcomes us back. Man, that's the God that we serve. What I love about this story is at the end of it, it's not just like dad's so glad for him to be back. He doesn't really know what he did. He knows everything he did. He still welcomes him back. That's the God we serve. He's worthy. Amen. Some of us in here, we might have forgotten because we've been in church too long how bad we've been. God loves us. He's restoring us. Amen. God is faithful when we're unfaithful. God is righteous. He makes us righteous. He cares for us. The Bible says next, he takes his inheritance. He goes to the far country and wastes his money in reckless living and finds himself broke, hungry, in a famine. He finds himself eating with pigs. All right? That's gross. Anybody here got like a pet pig? Yeah. I'm about to say, come on, man. I mean, that's kind of cool if you cut him up and eat some bacon. Any bacon fans in here? Man, this dude, he's, he's living with pigs. And to us, that's just like, man, that's nasty, but pigs are everywhere. You've got to realize the, the context of who he's talking to. He's talking to a lot of Jewish people. Pigs were gross, right? Jewish dietary laws, they didn't eat pigs, which that's crazy. Pigs are good. So here's the deal. So what did this, the Bible says that he, he had reckless living and he ends up broke and he ends up in some, a pig pen. So what did the son do? What were the son's sins? Here's the deal. The Bible doesn't say what the son did. It says he just did some reckless living. Some of us preachers, we like to throw in there what he did. Man, he did drugs. He did alcohol. He did some cocaine. He hooked up with hookers and all this stuff. The Bible doesn't say what he did. He said he did reckless living. Later, the older brother says, man, he was with prostitutes. We'll get into that in a second. Jesus doesn't say what this young man did, and I find it very interesting for two reasons. Hear me out. Number one, God is more interested in telling us about the repercussions of sin rather than just that sin. Okay? Listen to me. Sometimes I feel like we get so caught up in just the details of the sin and this particular sin and all that. What Jesus wanted to point out is the consequence of sin. You're separated from your father and you're living with pigs. Let's focus on the consequence of sin. I feel like in America, we don't, we don't focus on the consequence of sin enough. We talk about sin, but man, the consequence of sin is why we don't want to do sin. You're separated from the father. And you're living with pigs, okay? Man, if we could fully grasp the cost of sin, we would never intentionally do it. A lot of times we have this bad memory about what sin does. Oh, I just did it. I've done it before. I didn't fall down dead. Sin separates us from God and it brings forth death. Amen? That's what it does. 
if we could grasp it, I'm telling you, our lifestyle would change. The boy in this story, the younger son, man, he just wanted freedom. Where did he end up? Enslaved, right? Think about your own life. You just wanted an A in class. You didn't know that that was going to cost you your character. Amen? You didn't know that just wanting an A in class was going to make you a liar. Okay? When you were 15 years old, guys, you just wanted to see something naked. You didn't know 10 years later that you would be a perverse person. You just wanted to have sex with somebody because, man, sex is good. Sex is fun. You didn't want to wake up one day with an STD. Am I preaching to anyone here tonight? We, we, we get attracted to stuff, but it's like, oh, it's just a little bit. We don't realize that it has a process. You just wanted to be loved by everybody. You didn't know it was going to cost you your character. You didn't know you were going to become a gossiper. You didn't know you were going to become jealous. You just want to have a lot of friends. Jesus wants us to see the consequence of the sin. That's why he doesn't go into the particular sins. He very much illustrates what sin brings forth. And the worst thing for a Jewish person for sin to bring forth is a great father separation and you're living with pigs. That's a great example. Sin brings forth death. And Jesus wanted his audience to know that. The second reason I think Jesus left out the sins, and this is simple. I think Jesus wanted to point out that, man, when you repent, just like that young man did at the end of the story, he doesn't remember them. Are you following me here tonight? That's worth, of, that's worth of some praise tonight, amen? Man, God forgave you of your sins. He don't even remember them. I'll be honest, I feel like we spend a lot of time um, as Christians sometimes reliving the sinful things that we did in our life. Man, the power is in forgiveness. The power is in what Jesus did on the cross for that sin. I also think Jesus didn't tell the sins because sometimes we know that if we know the sins of people, man, we think they're bad and they're dirty and we're VIP and they've got to get away from us. Jesus is like, man, don't worry about the sin. He repented. I don't even remember it. Some of us even in here as Christians, man, God's, if you've repented for real, and we'll talk about that in just a second, you keep bringing up your bad stuff all the time. Let it die. Amen? Jesus wants us to see the repercussion of sin. And he wants us to know that, man, when we repent, he doesn't bring that junk up anymore. The father, when he welcomes the son back, he doesn't say, I forgive you, but you're a piece of junk because you did the X, Y, and Z. The father, true forgiveness is casting those things aside. Some of you in here, this isn't a message about forgiveness, but if you've said you've forgiven someone, Turn the page. Amen? That's for somebody here tonight. The next part of the story, are y'all good? Y'all following me? Okay, okay. The next part of the story talks about while the young man is living and the consequence of his sin, separation from God, he's living with pigs, he has this aha moment. Anybody ever had this moment in your life? Anybody in here had just been lost before? I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, you've been lost and you're like, man, this is stupid. i got to get Jesus. I mean, maybe just me. Um, the dude's like, man, things are better at my dad's house. Man, I can be a servant. I got to apologize. I got to repent. I got to turn around. I've got to go back. I used to have everything. Now I have nothing. I'm living with pigs. I'm away from community. I'm away from dad. I'm away from family that loves me. This was the place that the young man came to repentance. 
Let's talk about repentance just for a second. Repentance is an action. We realize that? Realizing where you are, regretting it, turning from your sin, getting out of the mud and going home. Right? That's repentance. I think it's important to remember that repentance isn't just saying sorry. Repentance is leaving the pigs and going back to dad. That's repentance. We've got this thing when we sin that, you know what, God, I sin, and we treat it like, man, we accidentally, like, spilled Kool-Aid at our house. Oh, man, my bad. Sorry about that. That's not repentance. Repentance is saying, I'm so convicted of my sin, I'm turning away from it, I'm contrite before the Lord, and I'm sorry for what I did, but I'm so sorry in what I did because I hurt you, God, I'm turning away from that. That's repentance. We treat repentance like, oh, God, I'm sorry. And here's the deal. I think the biggest false doctrine, uh, doctrine over the last hundred years has been this false doctrine of grace. And here's this misconception on grace. God loves me. He knows I'm going to sin. I am going to sin. And so I'm going to keep sinning because there's grace. That's a lie. The grace is to get out of sin. The grace is for repentance. The grace is to overcome sin. It's not grace because you're going to keep doing it over and over. The grace is to get out of bondage and get freedom. Grace is not, God, I'm just going to keep doing it because you know me, you know, come on. That's not grace. And I feel like a lot of people, when they see Jesus one day, they're going to be like, oh, man, sorry wasn't enough. No repentance. The Greek is menanoia. It means to turn direction. There's some things in some people's life in here maybe tonight. You've been saying sorry enough. Sorry isn't enough. Turning away from that. An action. The boy didn't stay in the mud. He got out of the mud. He went home. Amen? Yeah. I think this is important to remember. Even though repentance happens, there's still consequence to sin. Right? A lot of people think, oh, man, God forgave me of that, and how come I'm dealing with this? There's consequences to sin. This young man, I mean, obviously we're just metaphorically talking here, just whatever. I mean, the dude is living a wild party lifestyle. The dude may have gotten a fight. He may have a scar. If he hooked up with a lot of girls, he may have an STD. Just because God's forgiven you doesn't mean he's going to take away all the consequences that happen because of your sin. Some of you need to realize that. God you know, I'm serving you now. How come this is happening? You're still walking out the consequence of your sin. God's forgiven you. He loves you. But there's consequences to sin. Are you following me? I'm almost done. Everyone said, amen. The band can come up. So the young man, he's heading home. He's probably only a few miles away. What does the Bible say when the son is a long way off? The Bible says that the father sees him. The Bible says that the father ran to the son. And we've heard this story preached before. We know the significance of a Jewish man running. Um, it was undignified. Men of stature did not run. Their little dress skirt thing that they wore, whatever, would come up. And, and they didn't run because, man, they walked. And that's just how they did it. I think there's two reasons why the father runs. Number one, man, he loves his son. He's been missing his son. He's been seeing his son. He knows what his son has been doing, but he sees that turn in direction. And, man, he's so happy. He's been missing fellowship, relationship, community with his son. Here's the second reason I think the son or the father runs to the son. 
I think the father runs to the son to beat everybody else to him. I think he runs to the son to protect the son. Are you following me? Who would he be protecting the son from? Not heathen people. I believe the father is running to the son to say, don't you say that to my son. Don't you act like that to my son. This is my son. I believe he ran to him to get to him before anyone else had a, uh, an opportunity to throw a stone at him. Who would throw a stone? A punk Christian would throw a stone. You know, I was at a conference a few weeks ago, Zach, Ron, different, different people. Um, if you've kind of followed the, the church preaching culture and all that, uh, there's been some junk that's been going on uh, with Mark Driscoll. He's a big, big name. I, I like reading his stuff. But um, Robert Morris pulled him on stage. It was just real honoring and all this. And a lot of you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But he said this. The Christian community is the only community, I think, in the world where we kill our wounded. Are you following me here? So-and-so backslid, so-and-so did this, so-and-so smoking weed again, and we shun them, and we talk about them, and we gossip to them. Come on. I think the father runs to the son to say, man, I don't even want you to hear this junk. I love you. Some of us in here, man, our mind needs to change. Our mind needs to change. We need to have the heart of Jesus, amen? Then what happens? The father embraced the son. He hugs him, he kisses him. Then what happens? The son repents. I'm sorry, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. Two things here I want us to see. Number one, the father forgives the son before the son asks for forgiveness. That's big. A lot of times, man, I got to get my life right. A lot of times I got to do this. You know, if it's me, man, I'll be honest, I'm kind of prideful. I'm going to be like, man, you, you run to me. I'm going to wait here and what you got to say. Are you sorry? That's not what the father did. He met him. God's love is always there. It's constant. It never gives up. It's strong. The boy didn't have to repent for God to meet him. Amen. The boy didn't even have to repent for God to hold on to him. God knew his heart. And here's the second thing. I'm going to skip. Well, here we go. Here's the second thing why this is interesting that the father ran and the father accepted him. Rabbinical law states this, that if a child dishonors his father, this is rabbinical law, and he leaves his community, dishonors his family, if the son wants to come back, he can't come back into the family. If the father wants him back, he can come back as a servant. What's interesting and what would have been so mind-blowing to these sinners and especially Pharisees right there is the father didn't shun him. The father welcomed him back. Not just welcomed him back, welcomed him back as a son. Amen? Welcomed him back as a son. God is good. The father says, man, bump being a servant. You're my son. Get the ring, get some shoes, get a robe, kill that calf. We're going to eat it. We're going to celebrate. You're back. We love you. Forget what the customs say and what I'm supposed to do. Man, I love you. This is the greatest story ever told. Amen. The prodigal son, the lost son is the greatest story ever told. The son was lost, but now he's found. And you know, man, this is obviously the story of us. It's the story of God redeeming us and loving us and calling us back. I don't care how good you've been or how bad you've been. We can relate to this son. 
I love Jesus, man. He's just told the greatest story ever. Like he just won the speaking contest, but he doesn't stop. He next tells the next four verses are probably the saddest verses in the whole Bible. And I don't have time to do this justice, but just one or two things. I can picture Jesus. He's telling the story. The sinners and the tax collectors, they see him talking. These sinners and tax collectors that have been ostracized, outcasted, they can relate to the son. They've done the wrong thing. I can guarantee Holy Spirit's working on them. They're amazed at this man who would forgive, this man who would welcome back. And then you have the Pharisees over there who are probably smirking, rolling their eyes like, who is this dude? I can imagine after Jesus finished this part of the story, he's been over here talking to the Pharisees or talking to the tax collectors, sinners. I believe he walks over here and he finishes the story, talking to the Pharisees. The older son comes home. He gets mad. He heard music. He heard people rejoicing, jumping up and down, celebrating, eating the calf. Side note, this is what church should look like, right? Celebrating. What the father did for the son is what church should look like. When we come to worship God, it's not, oh my gosh, I got to do this. It's, oh my God, thank you so much. We're having a celebration. We're worshiping God because he's good. Can you feel me tonight? He's good. That's what church should look like. Not, I got to come. Oh my gosh. I get to worship God. I get to be around other people that worship God. I get to be around sinners that are in a place where worship's going on, and man, they're going to get saved. That's exciting to me. The older son, basically, he's complaining. Why is there music? Why is there celebrating? Why are people jumping up and down? Why are people happy? Why are people excited? Why is the music so loud? Why is there a, a fog machine on? Why is all this going? Come on. You're not raising your hands right. You're raising them too high. You're doing all this. Obviously, the father sees him. And he's like, bro, your brother's back. See, the other brother didn't care. The father tries to get him to come into the party. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to go. I wonder if sometimes as Christians, we look like this older brother. We don't care that people are getting saved. We don't care that sometimes that people are getting what we have. A lot of times we become so prideful. We've made almost church a social clique or club sometimes. Sometimes we become so focused on ourselves that we don't rejoice when new people get saved and when they come home. What does the father say to the older brother? It's the last thing I'm saying. The father says this, you've always been around me. This is what I think this means. And this hurts to the core. You've always been around me, but you're not like me. That's sad. Obviously, they're talking to Pharisees, but I wonder how many times in our life we're around him, we're around him, we're around him, but we don't look like him. We don't look like God. Our heart isn't being molded to be like God. But I'll tell you, sometimes in my life, man, I look at my life and I'm like, man, that area is not anything like God. I'm around you all the time, but how come this area I'm not looking like you? I wonder how many of us sometimes we've toted our Bible to church and to Bible studies, attended church and church, but man, there's areas where we don't look like it. As I close tonight, I want you to think for a second. Jesus has just told this story, and man, it's amazing. Considering the audience, the younger, who do you think Jesus is, uh, who do you think, what side was Jesus on, rather? 
Was Jesus like on the younger brother's side, the older brother's side, the sinner's side, or the, the Pharisee's side? And obviously this is a trick question. Jesus wasn't playing sides. Jesus was showing both groups that they needed him. The sinners could see it. They saw where they were. The Pharisees could see it. They saw where they were. And basically, this is what this whole parable is about. What side are you on? Are you the older or, the, or are you the younger? You can imagine Jesus standing right there in the center. Sinners to my left, religious Christians to my right. Who are you going to pick? Guys, which one are you going to be? The story isn't about one lost son. Obviously, it's about two lost sons. And it's about the Father's love for both. You know what I love about Jesus? At the end of Jesus' earthly life, he's on a cross. He's hanging between two guys. You know what I mean? There's one on the right, there's one on the left. And every single one of us, we get to decide which son we are. Are we a son that, man, is going to come after him? Are we a son that's going to say, man, I'm around you, but I don't look like you? Stay on your feet tonight. I wonder tonight how many of us in here, man, right now, where we are in our life, we can identify with the younger son. Man, we're away from God. We're away from him. We've been doing our own thing. We know God is good and great, but, man, we haven't decided to serve him. I wonder if that's where you are tonight. I wonder if tonight you're in here and you're in the position of the older son. Man, you know dad's got it going on. You're in church all the time. There's some areas that don't look like Jesus. There's some areas, man, that you're hard-hearted. There's some areas that you won't heal. There's some areas where you even get upset when other people get saved. It's weird. You get upset when other people succeed. you got that older brother syndrome. You just close your eyes tonight. If you're in this place, you say, "What? Well, you know what? I, I just feel like, man, that's where I am. I'm the first son right now. I'm away from God. I, I know it. I've been running. And man, I, I need to repent. I need to come home. Jesus died for me. I know it. And I want to accept him as Lord. Man, if that's you, raise your hand tonight. If that's you. I know we got a lot of Christians in the house. Anybody in here? Here, say, man, I need him. All right, second, man, if you're in here, man, just open your eyes. Actually, let's be honest. How many people in here, you say, you know what? I got some of that older brother in me. I got some of it, and man, I need to get rid of it. I'll raise my hand first. Anybody in here say, man, I got a little of that older brother in me. I'm around it all the time, but sometimes my heart doesn't, doesn't look like it. Raise your hand high. I want to pray for you. Keep your hands up, Lord. For all of us in here that got a little of this older brother, help us. Help us, Lord. Forgive us. Lord, areas that we need to repent, help us repent. Lord, areas that we've become more religious than relational with you, help us. Change us tonight. Lord, we want to have a heart after you. We don't want to just settle for being around you. We want to be like you. Help my friends tonight be like you. In Jesus' name. Look at me, last question. Anybody in here ever been both of them and you just thank God that he's accepted you? Anybody in here? If that's you, can we give the Lord some praise tonight? I mean, he loves you. He saw what you did two years ago and still loves you. He saw your religious spirit a few months ago. He still loves you. 
That's awesome, right? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into a time of worship. I said this whole message was about Thanksgiving. I wanted us to see a picture of the Father. The Father that loves us, that died for us. Man, this is Him. This is Jesus. A Father to the fatherless. The Prince of Peace. Man, if you're in this place tonight and you've got issues, you've got things going on, man, this is God that we're talking about. You're His child. He loves you. If he would run to you while you were yet a sinner, how much more so would he run to us as saved, delivered people, amen? He wants to be with us. He wants to bless us tonight. The prayer team's about to come up. They can come forward. If you need personal prayer for anything, we want to agree. I want to take about four minutes. If you need prayer, come up. But I want us to raise the roof worshiping God. Can we do that? As they're coming up, raise your hand. Lord, we worship you. Let's just start right now. God, we worship you. We love you. We praise you because you're good, because you're holy, because you're worthy. Lord, we thank you for redeeming us. We thank you for, for picking us and choosing us. We thank you, God, that you're not a God that keeps tabs, but you've forgotten our sin as far as east is from the west. We bless you, Lord. Let's worship him tonight. Your voice, you call out my name. You pierce me through the rain of my circumstances. I ran out on you, the worst thing I could do. And you're still loving me, and I'm coming home.
somebody to church how about you share Christ with somebody man take them to Starbucks some well, maybe Joe's Joe mugs you know it's a little cheaper look we love y'all man let's make an impact for Christ let's love on people amen here's how we're going to close out uh, go to your community group we're going to tell your group uh, what you need to bring next week for our Thanksgiving feast we love you if you don't know what group you're in come up to the front um, or just pick a group go with your friend that you came with tonight. We love you. We'll see you next week.
collect your money. Competition, all right? All right, so whenever y'all are done, send one person up to the stage. some rock, paper, scissors winners. If you're a winner, head on up to the stage. We got an awesome competition going on. This game's really intense. It takes a lot of hard thought and practicality, strategy. 
Yeah, the winners come on up to the stage. It's going down. Meet me on the stage. It's going down. <laughs> All right. Are we missing anyone from a group? We got the married group winner. Hope volunteers as tribute. Group D, who's our winner? Oh, she's up here. All right, everyone accounted for? All right, go through the line. We're going to say our name, what community group we're from, and then it's going down. All right? Nana, group D. Yeah. Megan, group A. Uh, Jeffrey, group G. Amber, group C. I'm hoping I'm from group B. I'm Claire, and I'm from group E. All right, y'all turn to your neighbors. We're going to do best two out of three. All right, let the scissor games begin. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Two out of three, two out of three. All right, group D still in the competition. Who's over here? Sister battle. Who won? Hope won the sister battle. All right, you three ladies. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do y'all two first. Yep. Yep. You get a bye. <laughs> hey, y'all, if you're already done, we have late night going on in the Connect Cafe. We're going to have some hot chocolate and some cookies. Oh, snap. All right, we got group C and group B. Group C and B going off. Are y'all ready for this? Best two out of three, all right? When I say shoot, y'all shoot. All right, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay, rock, paper, oh, nope. <laughs> okay, rock. <laughs> all right, just do it, just go. <laughs> oh, one for group B, keep going, two out of three. Oh, one for group C. Uh-oh, 1-1. One, one. Oh, Ty, keep going. Ty. Oh, Group C it is. Give it up for Group C. This was such a strategic, hard game. Very proud of y'all. But in the meantime, we have late night with some hot chocolate, some cookies hanging out. It's going to be a good time. So y'all head to the Connect Cafe.